Amen. Amen. For me and my house, we're going to serve you. We're going to worship you. We're going to love you. And the devil can't have my family. As you take a look at the slide, I hope that that's your attitude and you're thinking that West Island Baptist Church is your home away from home. And when you got up this morning, you said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I want to thank the praise uh, team. They, I don't know if you know this, but they're here practicing before many of you even get out of bed. And so we just uh, thank them for their hard work, their diligence, and, and their special ministry here to, to all of us. I was, uh, as I was preparing for the message, I was reminded of the story of John Jeremiah and Betty Lou. They'd been married for a number of years. And uh, Betty was a type of person, optimistic, always outgoing, wanting to improve things. And John Jeremiah was kind of the opposite and uh, couldn't find too much right with things. One day, one Saturday morning, Betty Lou decided to serve John breakfast in bed and fixed her hair just the way he liked it and put on the dress that was his favorite, goes upstairs, bedroom, said, Sweetheart, I'm going to fix you breakfast in bed. What would you like? He said, Oh, what I wouldn't give for a great cup of coffee and for uh, uh, two eggs, one scrambled and the other one sunny side up. She says, No problem, and goes to the store because she wants to make sure the coffee is fresh. She then stops by the farmer's house and gets some eggs, goes home and fixes them with a degree of finesse that would rival any chef. And she takes them upstairs to the bedroom and sets them on the bed. And as she does so, there's this disappointment that seems to come across John's face. She said, what? What's wrong? You scrambled the wrong one. And some say they don't know how he ended up in the hospital. Some say he, he fell in the shower. Some say he fell down the stairs. But you and I know, don't we? I will come full circle and bring that up at the very end. Leanne and I spent six weeks in Arizona in the month of February and first couple weeks of March and we would go to the worship service at 9 o'clock at the RV resort where we stayed. And then at 11 o'clock, we went to another service. And it was at a church called Cowboy Church. I don't know if you've ever been to a cowboy church, hadn't been to one. But if you take a look at the saddle, there is a Bible on the saddle. And that is the podium from which the pastor um, brought the message. And then there were three services. We attended the last one, 250 in each service. And at the end of the last service, there was always baptisms. And here's what it looked like. <laughs> right outside, they had a horse tank. And they would warm up the water, look at the shoes to the left of the tank. If you wanted to baptize, you simply got out of your shoes, stepped in the tank, and there'd be two to five baptisms every Sunday. And uh, so, thank goodness, we don't have a horse tank here, right? Well, one of the slides that the pastor had was this, and uh, God gave you a fingerprint that no one else has, so you can leave an imprint that no one else can. Great theological uh, piece there, amen? 
Something else that we did while we were in Arizona, we went to a church called the Chapel of the Holy Cross. Some of you have been there, as I understand, and it's in Sedona, built right into the rock back in 1956. If you ever get an opportunity to go see it, uh, it would be worth your, worth your time. Pastor Tom, you've seen this slide back in January. Most of the time, we like for you to take your cell phones, put them away, mute them, that we might have an uninterrupted service. But I'm going to ask you to get your cell phones out, take a picture of this slide, and you remember that I shared one of the ways that we double the uh, size of the church is two words, bring someone. So I ask you a question, who did you bring today? Who's on your list for next week? And who's going to invite them if you don't? Well, as you take a look at that, you find out that Pastor Tom brought a message last week in Ephesians. And in Ephesians, he said that was one of his favorite books and his theme last uh, week was in him. It's by him, through him, all about him, in him, that's Christ, of course, that we have our total existence, our total being. And so we look forward to a fantastic uh, a dynamic message next week as Pastor Tom continues in Ephesians. As is our custom, and if you are physically able, we invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word this morning. And we're looking in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and beginning with verse 3. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now for the next two slides, I'm going to ask you to read in unison with me. Let us begin. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Thank you. You may be seated. May the Lord add the blessing to the hearing and reading of his word this morning. But, you know, more importantly than just reading and hearing, may we internalize it. May we digest it. May we apply it to our lives. But even more important than that, may we share it with others. Would you join your hearts and spirits in prayer with me this morning? Father, we thank you. We thank you for this special day. Every day is a special day because... Well, because you have made it. And Lord, we just uh, quiet our hearts and our spirits. We ask you to peel back the layers of our heart that your spirit might penetrate with the principles and the truths and insights you have for us today. And Lord, we ask you to open our spiritual eyes and unplug our spiritual ears that we might hear these things. Father, we also want to uplift Pastor Tom and Thank you so much for his ministry here. Thank you for loaning him to us, he and Mary, for the past 17 years. And we just uh, look forward to continued ministry. And uh, so we ask your divine and sovereign healing upon Mary and that uh, your perfect will be done in their lives. 
For it's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. In addition to the scripture we just read, I'd like to share a verse of scripture or some scripture, Psalm 78, and uh, reflect upon it and kind of compare it with what we just read, beginning with verse 1. My people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth, I will utter, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them. And the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God, and we would not forget His deeds, but would keep his commands. Almost the same words, the same thrust, the same meaning, the same message, uh, almost, almost uh, uh, 800 years later that we have from Moses to the psalmist here that talk about these things. When Pastor Tom asked me to bring the message today, you know what the first thing I did was? I prayed. I prayed and said, Lord, what would you, what would you have me bring from the pulpit and it just seemed like within a, a, a short time, the Lord just spoke to me and says, look around you. What's happening in our world today? And what's happening this week? And so I've structured a topical message around those things. The first thing that uh, came to my conscience was news, headline news. I don't know about you, but when I think about defunding the police and the chaos that that results from that kind of uh, stupidity. And, and I see shootings of unprecedented proportions and legislative and judicial review that oppose the sanctity of life. And of course, uh, fresh on our mind, I think, is the debt ceiling that Congress is dealing and wrestling with right now. I understand that we're, well, I guess depending upon which one you listen to, we're some $31, $33 trillion in debt. I can't wrap my head around that figure. And uh, some say that it won't be too long in the near future uh, that we won't even be able to pay the interest on the national debt. How long can we continue to spend without catastrophic financial upheaval? Well, we leave those things to others, right? Because we generally don't have a say in all that. We could talk about morality, and, but all of you know that I think that we're spiraling down into the abyss of moral decadence. I read in the news this week that uh, there's a couple of parents in New Jersey being sued by the library because they're speaking out against sexually explicit books that are in there. How about a former president said that we are no longer a Christian nation? When I heard that, I about had heart failure. But then I went to George Barna and Barna Research. George Barna is the Mohatma guru of religious research. I went to Lifeway Research. I went to Pew, P-E-W, just like you're setting in, Pew Research. They affirmed and confirmed what the president had said. What's happening in America? What's happening? You know, uh, when we were in Arizona, there was a school district there called Washington Elementary School District, and they did not want Arizona Christian University to supply 
teachers to their school district anymore. You see three individuals, they got five members on the board. Three individuals had just been elected in November who lead lives contrary to the plain teaching of Scripture. And these three board members convinced the other two uh, to not renew the contract with Arizona Christian University. And I'll quote, and here's, here's what they said about the university. They said, ACU wants to transform the culture with truth by promoting biblically informed values that are foundational to Western civilization, including the centrality of the family, traditional uh, sexual morality, and lifelong marriage between one woman and one man. I don't know about you, but if there's any time that we need teachers with that kind of influence within our public schools, I think it's today. I think it's today. When I started teaching in the public schools in 1970 and when I retired in 05, it was a difference between night and day. And in the last 18 years, it has even gotten worse. And so we, uh, well, we need to pray for that, uh, that school district. Have you ever heard of the book called Frog in the Kettle? It's a book made famous by George Barna back in 1990. And he said, here's what's going to happen in 10 years if we don't change some things here in America and in our churches. And Frog in the Kettle has to do with, you can take a frog, put him in hot water, and he'll jump out. But if you take a frog and you put him in cold water, you can eventually turn up the heat underneath him, and you can literally cook him. And those things happening without even realization. And I think that's what's happening in America. I see that happening all around the country, our churches. You know, our nation was founded on biblical principles, and I believe that we've been blessed second only to Israel with the blessings that we have received. And as a nation, would you agree that in the last well, you take you know, 40, 50 years, whatever it's been, that we have turned our back on God, that we have abandoned God, and there is a, uh, there, and God warns there are consequences for those things when you don't put me in your life, when you don't put me first. And I think that the solution, all of you know the solution, we normally talk about the solution on 4th of July. God says, you do four things, and I'm going to take care of business. And he says, if my people, that's not the people outside these four walls, that's not the people in Washington, if my people, you and me, are my people because we have been engrafted in. He says, if you, number one, humble yourselves, that's humility. That's the opposite of pride. Pastor Thomas talked much on humility. If we do, number two, if we pray, if we seek his face, and if we turn from our wicked ways, what does God promise to do? He's going to hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. That's the prescription. That's the prescription. Well, after I took a look at headline news, and all of you could add something that you have heard and touched your heart, and you just said, oh, man, I know all of you could add to the list, and we could spend all day. But the second thing, I kind of looked around and see what was happening. I see something happening this Thursday. You know what's happening this Thursday? Our National Day of Prayer, which was started back in 1952 with President Truman 
And in 1988, President Reagan made it the first Thursday of May. If there's any time that we'd need prayer, it'd be now, wouldn't it? Take a look at the theme, pray fervently in righteousness and avail much. That's the theme for 2023, and it's based on the scripture of James 5 and the 16th verse, where the end of that says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Most appropriate, don't you think? And you know, we need to pause, and I think we need to give God thanks for the many blessings he's bestowed upon us, and uh, we need to pray for the executive, the legislative, and the judicial branches of government. I don't care which political party or, or what party you belong to. We need to pray for our government. And the Bible tells us that we should pray for those in authority, and not, in my opinion, not just one day a year. In today's stuff that's happening, we ought to do this. This ought to be a constant basis, praying for them at all levels of leadership. You might disagree with me, but I think there are some causes of uh, why we're in the shape we're in these days. One, uh, godly men and women have not gotten into uh, uh, positions of leadership. Another one is, we are not praying uh, to Almighty God on these things. And the third thing, which is going to be dealing with my message today, is we have not been teaching these things to our sons and daughters. If you take a look, and on your way out, I'm going to invite you on the narthex, on the information table, there are 100 uh, prayer guides for our National Day of Prayer. Take as many as you want. Share them with family and friends. And on Thursday, uh, particularly this week, don't forget to, to pray for our country. But I would invite you to put that leaflet in your Bible and pray for our country, our leadership, as often as God would bring you into, uh, uh, into your consciousness, those things. By the way, you are aware that we have a group of individuals called prayer warriors that meet every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. You know that, right? And if you want to participate in that, if you'd like to be part of that experience and pray, we pray for individuals within the church, we pray for our community, we pray for whatever's on our hearts that day. Touch base with Pastor Tom in the office. We'll plug you into that. And uh, there's also, in, in your pew racks, there are some cards. And if you take a look at the bottom of the card, there is a place for you to fill out and put a, a prayer concern if you have one. And so put them in the offering plate or turn them into the office, and we'll be glad to add your name to, to our prayer list. The third thing, and you may find this humorous, is that this next Saturday, what do we have happening? This is of primary importance to the church. <laughs> no, no, I'm just trying to be funny. The 149th running of the Kentucky Derby Thoroughbred Racing. I mean, this is the granddaddy of all granddaddy racings. Got a question for you. If you had a thoroughbred racehorse, would you make sure that that racehorse had the finest of care? Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth. Would you make sure that that horse had the finest of oats and hay and supplement and salt and minerals and whatever else it needs for, for that? And would you make sure it had the plenty of exercise and it got plenty of rest and maybe the veterinarian stops by frequently to make sure the horse is healthy? You might say, 
Yes, if I had a racehorse worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, I would do that. Well, you do have racehorses, and they're more important than, a, than an animal. Then those racehorses that I'm talking about are thoroughbreds, are our sons and daughters. And uh, so as it, I've entitled my message, by the way, Raising Thoroughbreds. And I thought I might share a story that uh, took place about 40 years ago as I was in the uh, process of raising my thoroughbreds. And I would told my boys, I think the one was five and the other one was nine at the time, and I said, boys, I'd like to have you out in the garden. At, we had a garden back in those days, and at 9.30, I'd like to have you in the garden so we can pull weeds out of the garden before it gets too hot. And they liked to watch morning cartoons, and sure enough, Saturday morning early, very early, they were in the pajamas, laying on the floor, watching TV with their hands like this. And on the way out to the garden, I said, guys, don't forget, 9.30. Were my boys in the garden at 9.30? How did you know? <laughs> I thought, this is not good. My parenting skills were being taxed to the max. And so parenting 101 dictates I go in and confront my boys. They're watching TV. And I said, fellas, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on here? I'm going to extend a little grace and a little mercy. And uh, I'm going to give you an extra 30 minutes. Be in the garden at 10 o'clock. Were my boys in the garden at 10 o'clock? No. You're right. They weren't. And I decided that we needed to do something else. So I went uh, uh, into the garage and I decided I'd bring in a tool in, from the garage. And that tool was uh, a pair of tin snips. And I took the uh, plug, pulled it right out of the wall, and I cut it off. Here is the plug. <laughs> Forty years ago, I've kept that and you can't see it from where you're sitting, there's the plug. I laid the plug and the tin snips on the television, went out to the garden, I said, now get dressed, get out the garden, we're picking up weeds. Fifteen minutes later, they hadn't shown up. Well, what in the world is going on here? I walked in the house and living room, and there they are. Uh, they'd gone downstairs and got my electrical toolbox and found a plug, and they were trying to splice the wires to put the plug back on. I decided I needed another tool. So I go out to the garage. I bring another tool. Here's the other tool. And I sat right down just like this, right in front of the television, looking at them. And I said, now, are there any questions? Wade says to me, Dad, you're not going to send the sledgehammer through the TV. Derek says, what do you mean, Wade? He just cut the plug off. <laughs> they were in the garden in 15 minutes. Now, I share that story. I share that with you from the standpoint of not telling you to go home, take your televisions, throw them through the door wall, throw them on the floor, throw them in the garbage or the iPads or anything like that. That was only something that I did one time and I don't know how to explain it. I just kind of felt the Lord uh, that that's what I ought to do for that particular situation. And uh, they were five and nine at the time, I believe. And if they were teenagers, I don't think that strategy would have worked. 
But at any rate, I look forward to hearing how some of you have trained and raised your thoroughbreds. And I want to share with you that at the end of the day, I spliced a brand new plug on and plugged it into the TV for them. I did that because of their faithfulness, even though it took a while to get it started here uh, for, for taking care of that business. Apparently, my sons had taken and absorbed the principle of being winners and overcoming obstacles and thinking positively, but they had neglected the stronger teaching of not being rebellious, being obedient, and you remember what the scripture says about uh, uh, obedience, rebellion, and disobedience being as a sin of witchcraft. I did not want those seeds to start sprouting and knew that I had to take care of it right then and there. And I want to, as another addendum, my boys were raised here at West Highland. They, they came to know the Lord here. They were baptized by Reverend Ed Pedley. And uh, so, so we, we're thankful for how the Lord has worked. And I just share one story with you. But you know, because of the burdens and uh, pressures placed on young people, it may be difficult for many of them to stand alone in modern America. And as I talk with teenagers and parents, I'm, I'm convinced that they are experiencing a lot of things in today's world that you and I never even thought of. When I was in high school, a senior, the principal took one of the guys home because he didn't have a belt on and told mom that he expected his son to come to school with a belt on. If you were chewing gum, those things don't even make the top 100 list today of things happening in our schools. And I read a statistic this week that talked about how much time our sons and daughters, now this is an average, and by the way, this is a fresh statistic back in November, just six months ago. And there's a Google search, and if you take a look at my Google search line, I typed in, how much time do teenagers spend on social media? And there's the report, and I just sum up the report up there on top where it says 32% of teenagers spend five to six hours on television, playing games, social media, and that kind of thing. 17% spend seven to eight hours. I couldn't wrap my head around the other one. 13% with nine hours of doing that kind of thing. I think they need to be raised on a farm. When I was raised on a farm, I never had time to do any of that kind of thing. Of course, it wasn't around then, right? 50 years ago either. But uh, Proverbs, you know, the, you know the proverb here that talks about train up a, a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. I've had some parents in a few churches tell me this. Uh, well, you want me to do that? I just, I just did that the last week. I said, oh, really? You did that for a whole week? And uh, for, when they find out I'm a teacher, they... They sometimes ask me about some strategies that work for teenagers. And so I should, for a whole week, my mom and dad prayed for me every day and trained the thoroughbred. Well, what kind of training am I talking about here? Does that mean once a week at church? Sometimes people believe this. They bring their sons and daughters to church and expect the church, the youth leader, the pastor, and others to form and shape their, and bring up their child. But, do you know the role of the church? The role of the church is to supplement that which is being done in the home. If I take a look at the exposure that our sons and daughters have, 
we take a look at maybe six hours a day in school times five days, that's 30 hours. And if we use a statistic and just use five, to five hours of, of other stuff on social media times seven, 35, so we add the two, we get 65 hours of secular humanism indoctrination. What do they get at church? Maybe two hours on Sunday for worship service. You do stay for Sunday school, right? And then Wednesday evening, assume it's with the youth leader and, and a couple hours there and maybe an hour, give them the benefit of the doubt, an hour throughout the week of Bible study and reading and prayer on their own. Five hours versus 65 in the world. I'll leave the assumption up to you. Our early American educational system was based on what? The Bible. Everybody. When I was in school, we had something called weekly, uh, weekly re religious education, where uh, a religious person would come and give us education in the public schools. But because of that, that was 60 years ago. And because of a number of uh, Supreme Court rulings, uh, those things have been thrown out. Now, thank God we, we have... You remember what the uh, national motto of our country is? In God we trust. That's been brought before the Supreme Court twice. And it's a phrase that's on all of our coins, all of our paper money. And thankfully, the, the um, uh, Supreme Court has upheld those things. Well, the training program begins in the home and begins by thanking God for our thoroughbreds. And we ask God for wisdom and discernment and guidance in the things we say, think, and do as we raise our thoroughbreds and give them what we call the right stuff. Sometimes grandparents tell me, well, pastor, my teaching days are done. My kids are older now. They have their own families. Well, to grandparents that have that thinking, I share scripture. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and their children after them. And so notice that there's no expiration date on that commandment. So grandparents, as long as you're able to fog up a mirror and that uh, you're sucking air here on planet Earth, you have a responsibility to teach. You might say, I don't have any children. Are you exempt? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And Paul tells Timothy, command and teach these things. And in 2 Timothy, and the Lord's servant, that's you and me, must not quarrel. Instead, must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. And the Bible talks about senior men and women teaching younger men and women. And so we find teaching is a responsibility for all of us. Well, what's a training program? Well, we go to Deuteronomy, and we find that the sixth chapter that we read this morning, I affectionately call that the Magna Carta of the home. And the curriculum of life is the Word of God. And I don't know about you, but I need to be in the Word more. And you know, as you recall, Moses had outlined these commandments and says, you need to obey these things. And in fact, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, you find blessings for obedience to the command. And in chapter 28, you find consequences for those things when you disobey. 
And he gives these words to a generation uh, that had just passed uh, for 40 years in the desert. And Moses is speaking to the children and grandchildren. He says, Obey. Why? That it may be well and go well for you, and that you might increase in the land flowing with milk and honey. And when we read these words, I think that they were on the way to the promised land. And even though we are not on the way to the promised land, we are raising thoroughbreds, and we're on a journey going to the promised land, you know, heaven, and we are strangers in a world that is hostile to God and the world that seeks to entice us away from serving him and following the Lord. Verse 4 of our text today begins with what is called the Shema. The Shema means to hear up, to pay attention, listen. And he says, hear, O Israel. It would be like saying, hear, O West Highland. Hear, O Milford. Hear, O Brighton. Howell, Fenton, wherever you live. And uh, the Shema is a Jewish creed that opens synagogue worship, recited twice each day, and it is a text that's in the forefront of their minds because of its constant reinforcement. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then we find the fifth verse, which you know, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Where have you heard that before? Well, that's the first and greatest commandment, isn't it? Love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I one day said, Lord, how am I going to remember that? There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible, and that's a pretty important piece. I need to know so that I can teach that. And it seemed like in the twinkling of eye, the Lord says, well... Uh, it's, it's one of the books it's found in is Mark. And so we remember that it's uh, uh, many people mark up their Bibles. And so we remember that one of the places found in Mark. And we have the first greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. What's the second commandment? The greatest commandment. Love others as ourself. So we put one and two together like you see there. Chapter 12. Now, how you remember it's verses 30 and 31, you're on your own. Perhaps 12 months and 30 and 31 days. And Moses says these commandments, now we're not getting into the commandments today, just the motivation. And he says these commandments are to be in your hearts, not just ahead, but in your hearts. And he wanted them to remember the words. And so here's what he tells us in, in verse 7. He says, impress them on your children. When I was raising my thoroughbreds and the story with the garden, I knew that I needed to do a better job of impressing the things of God upon my boys and talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you, and when you get up. And so what we have here is a continual training where we talk nonstop and constant communication about biblical principles and insights. And so the illustration here is simply, if you take a look at that word impress, I need to do a better job. And it comes from the Hebrew word. It's pronounced shinon, even though it's S-A and there's no H, but it's pronounced shinon. It means to teach diligently. And again, I needed to do that. 
And so it was a wake-up call for me. And I knew that I just uh, needed to pray. I knew that I needed to read the Bible more to be able to teach these things. Notice that we have the words, talk about them when you're at home and along the road. And uh, when you lie down and when you get up. And so we have, again, this idea of constant communication. Verse 8 says these words that you read. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Well, some of the Orthodox Jews take this literally. When Leanne and I were in Jerusalem 15 years ago, I was able to go to the Wailing Wall. Leanne wasn't able to go to this one section because it's for men only. And uh, there is a section, a small section, that the women can go. But here's an individual, and you see that box attached to his head? That's called a phylactery or a teflon. And that box has in it the commands from Deuteronomy. And they also have, here's a rabbi teaching one of his students how to wrap the arm, and there's a box that is attached to the arm. The idea is that when they are in prayer, this box, the commandments, are near their heart. And then we also have the idea that uh, uh, he tells them, write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And here's what we call a mezuzah. And Greek, uh, not Greek, but Orthodox Jews have those on their houses, on their gates. And again, there's a small scroll of Deuteronomy wrapped up inside. And you know, teenagers and young adults might say to me, well, that's great that you're talking about the adults with kids and you know everybody's going to teach everybody, but young adults might say and teenagers say, what's the application to me today? And uh, well, here's the answer. Tomorrow, you're going to be raising thoroughbreds. I remember when I first started teaching in 1970, tomorrow was 35 years later. The Bible says life is but a vapor. And it just seemed like in a twinkling of an eye, I was, I was retiring. And so tomorrow, our young adults, our teenagers, going to be impressing things upon their sons and daughters. The fifth commandment found in Exodus chapter 12, or 20, verse 12, says these words, Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And the Old Testament and the New Testament amplify that. And it's the first command with a promise. So young people, start there. And then the Apostle Paul, all of you remember Timothy, don't you? And the Apostle Paul tells Timothy these words. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Who instructed Timothy? Well, from Scripture, we know his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois was teaching and constantly teaching. And Apostle Paul says, you've been taught the right stuff. Continue in those things that you have learned. And I think, what's the end goal of all of this and for all of us that we need to arrive at a point in our lives where we see Jesus not just see Jesus but we want to live for him we want to invite him into our lives as Lord and Savior and so that's really the goal of teaching our thoroughbreds isn't it well now back to back to uh, Betty Lou and John Jeremiah 
We know that John Jeremiah didn't, wasn't trained and nobody raised him as a thoroughbred apparently because the Bible says that we are to give thanks in everything for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you and so John needs to learn to be thankful. Betty Lou took matters into her own hands and had revenge on her heart. Watch how Betty Lou could have handled the situation. Watch carefully. Scrambled the wrong one. By turning it around, John wouldn't have been able to say anything. I close with these words. I think an awesome responsibility exists in the teaching of the right morals, values, principles, and insights, and these are biblical principles to our sons and daughters. They desperately need to write stuff. In my personal opinion, they're getting too much indoctrination from the world, and we, as believers, need to be diligent in teaching our sons and daughters the things of God. And parents and grandparents and relatives and friends need to be and are responsible for that teaching process. Remember, we only have one, one life to teach and raise our thoroughbreds. Let's don't waste it. Take the initiative, follow God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection, the fulcrum of our faith. And Lord, as we have opportunity and it exists daily and regularly, may we be involved in the training process because lives are at stake in a literal sense. Help us to be diligent in the teaching of your word to others. And may others come into the kingdom because of our faithful witness and testimony of yourself. For the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.